Hello and welcome to the Art of World Building podcast, episode number four, part one. Today's topic is how to create gods. This includes a discussion of how to create pantheons and why this is more useful than a single, all-knowing god. As this is a big subject, the podcast will be split into several episodes, each as number four, part one, two, or three, for example. This material and more is discussed in chapter two of Creating Life, volume one in the Art of World Building book series. Do you want practical advice on how to build better worlds faster and have more fun doing it? The Art of World Building book series, website, blog, and podcast will make your worlds beat the competition. This is your host, Randy Ellison, and I have 30 years of world building advice, tips, and tricks to share. Follow along now at artofworldbuilding.com. Whether we write fantasy or science fiction, at some point we will probably need gods. Our characters might want to pray or swear, threaten damnation, or just utter thanks. That said, creating gods is optional. Maybe we don't want our characters to do these things, or we just want to avoid the whole subject. But our world is arguably more interesting if we have some deities that people can refer to at various times. It creates an impression of depth that would otherwise be lacking. Our gods could be wishful thinking, but in many cases, especially in fantasy, they are often portrayed as being real beings who take an active role and participate in how life unfolds on the earth. A good example would be Zeus, who has been rumored to father children with earthlings. We can obviously do something similar with our invented world. Gods are often portrayed as the reason that the world exists. It's uncommon for the world to be portrayed as a place that has already existed and the gods just stumbled upon it. Normally, we often say that the gods specifically created the world or that that world was a byproduct of something the gods were doing. These creation myths are something that we will delve into more deeply later in this episode or the next. If you're looking for inspiration on how to go about creating gods, the Art of World Building series has a template that you can download that walks you through all of the things you might want to consider and decide upon. This template is something where you don't have to fill out every last section, but the different sections will give you ideas on things that you might want to consider. In science fiction, characters are often traveling from one world to another, and each of these planets might have a different pantheon or even just a single god like we have here on Earth in modern times. But the existence of gods is sometimes ignored altogether. The usual reason for this is an idea that science typically eliminates religion. But this really isn't true. Even today in our modern societies, many of the leading scientists still believe in God and other religions, or I should say specific religions. Either way, the belief in God still exists even among our most educated people. So there's really no reason to act like, just because science has dominated a world or multiple worlds, that there isn't going to be any religion. Regardless of our technological and scientific discoveries, people often want to believe in a higher power of some kind. So science is not going to eliminate this. And in fact, even on a world like Earth, there are still going to be countries that are more advanced than others scientifically, and as a result, those worlds might have more atheists, for example, but there are still going to be areas that are less well-developed and that are more likely to have a strong religious basis to their livelihood and even their traditions. 
whether you agree with that or not, the point is that there are still going to be religions on pretty much every planet that ever exists. There's never going to be a time in human history when religion is just wiped out. There are probably people who wish that would, this would happen, probably because there are often wars that are fought in the name of religions. But beliefs are something that persist regardless of scientific and technological discoveries. In many cases, those scientific and technological discoveries are attributed to something that God set in motion and we only just eventually figured it out. So belief will always find its way to account for the things that we have discovered even from our scientists. Let's take a quick break here and talk about where you can get more useful world-building resources. Artofworldbuilding.com has most of what you need. This includes links to more podcasts like this one. You can also find more information on all three volumes of the Art of Worldbuilding series. Much of the content of those books is available on the website for free. And the thing that you might find the most useful is that by signing up for the newsletter, you can download the free templates that are included with each volume of the Art of Worldbuilding series, whether you have bought the books or not. All you need to do is join the newsletter. You can do this by going to artofworldbuilding.com slash newsletter. Sign up today and you will get your free templates and you will never miss an update about what is happening in the great world of worldbuilding. In science fiction, one of the problems our characters may face is that they have grown up on a world that has certain gods and religions, and then they arrive on other planets where people have never heard of that god or that religion. Some people might find that disturbing, and they might want to do something like what Christian missionaries did, where they try to convert the locals. This is a scenario that can cause trouble, where the characters are basically interfering with how people think on that world. Their own ideas may be accepted, or they might cause uh, you know more trouble than it's worth. So we can have our characters inadvertently get themselves into trouble by trying to talk about their own gods and the religion and how life should be lived based on that religion. The locals might be very offended by some of this. This is a good way to give our characters an angle that uh, causes problems in our story and adds more depth. Then there's the question of whether the gods are real or not. If they are, then are they happy with the species gaining so much power that they leave the world the gods supposedly created for them? Did the gods create the whole universe, and therefore they are okay with these uh, the species leaving the planet and exploring, or are they bothered by this? Is there another world that is ruled by other gods who are actually real, and those gods are bothered by these travelers who have shown up and are starting to try to convert their inhabitants? This is one way that we can introduce conflict for our travelers. Some of these travelers also might be bothered by arriving on a world that has never heard of their god. In fantasy, the gods are usually portrayed as being real. One of the ways that this typically comes up is that a priest of a given god can lay hands on a wounded person and call on that god to heal this person. If this is successful, there's really no getting around the existence of that god. Obviously, they are real. We might then need to figure out the circumstances in which a god will agree to do such a thing. Do they do this for anyone? Is it only their priests? Is the cause worthy? Is that the criteria for 
healing someone, or interfering in mortal affairs? One of the problems with gods being real is that they are all-powerful, in theory. They can swoop in at any time and do whatever they want. This is problematic from a story standpoint because it's not great to have the characters rescued from a situation by a god who can pretty much just snap their fingers and make everything go away. So this is something we generally want to avoid, and we might want to minimize the times and the circumstances under which the gods interfere with mortal affairs. We don't need to come up with an elaborate reason for this. We can just decide that for the most part, the gods want the people to figure things out for themselves and that their chief interference is when they are trying to heal someone through one of their priests. Saving a life seems like a good reason for a god to interfere. On the other hand, if they are always interfering over trivial matters, then this makes the gods too much of a figure in the world. We might want to do this on a world that we are not going to use very often, just because we don't want to get into a pattern of the gods saving people or interfering all the time. It removes the focus from characters and puts the focus on these deities. For those of you who support crowdfunding, I am on the Patreon site and would appreciate any support you can lend. Think about whether you're benefiting from this podcast or the Art of Will Building blog and website, and consider supporting the effort to spread the word far and wide. Your support could help a budding world builder create an awesome world that you become a huge fan of. This podcast and related items are my way of giving back to the fantasy, sci-fi, movie, and gaming industries that I love so much. You can give back too by helping to fund the effort. When the next Tolkien or George R.R. Martin shows up, you can tell yourself, I helped them do that. Your support can be just $1 a month to the cause. Higher levels of support get you increasingly cool things, such as PDF transcripts of this podcast, free MP3s, including unreleased music, free ebooks and short stories, bookmarks, and even signed copies of books and CDs of my music. Many of these are unavailable to the public. Just go to artofworldbuilding.com slash patron. You can also just go to the homepage and click the big icon for this. Please note that patron is spelled a little bit weird. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Support great world building today. If our world has multiple species, then we must also decide if there is one pantheon of gods that all of our species worship, or if each different species, like dwarves or elves, worships a different group of gods. The problem with creating multiple groups of gods is, of course, the sheer number of gods that we have to invent. If there's a group of gods who created elves, for example, then it makes sense that the elves are worshipping those gods and only those gods. If another group of gods has created dwarves, the same thing applies. On the other hand, if there is one group of gods who created all of the species that inhabit that world, then it makes more sense that all of the species are worshipping the same gods. Now, it might turn out that the elves are more prone to favoring a group of gods versus the dwarves favoring another group of gods, but we should make a decision about this. It might be easier for us in the long term to create one group of gods where different groups within those gods create a different species or influence them or simply are more appealing to them. That way, all of our species can be uh, generally aware of all of the gods and devoted to subsets of those gods, but generally just be aware of all of them and paying attention to them. And, you know, it's a more cohesive group of gods 
what we're trying to avoid there is creating so many different groups of gods that it just ends up being a lot of work for us. Generally, we don't want to spend too much time on world building, even though it is a time-consuming endeavor. So we need to find ways to minimize the work that we are doing while also creating great variety for ourselves, our characters, and our audience. Let's talk a little bit about a pantheon. A pantheon is nothing more than a mythological collection of gods. On Earth, at this point in time, we talk about a single god, but at times in our past, we have had pantheons like the Greek gods or the Roman gods. One of the great things about a pantheon is that we have more variety. Each god can specialize in a certain set of attributes that they care about, and they influence in the hearts, minds, and souls of people on the world. This gives us the ability to have a character who worships a particular god, and this and this provides insight on what really matters to that character. There might be other characters who worship an opposing god, and as a result, we now have some conflict. Regarding the gods themselves, we often decide that two of them are married, or that they have created children together, or that they are brother and sister. This allows us to inject typical family relationships such as, you know, siblings often have problems with each other or they don't get along. Children often don't respect their parents. Parents are often frustrated by their children. And we can use all of this to characterize not only the relationships among the gods, but the people who follow them. This also greatly helps us come up with stories and myths about those gods, where one person has tried to thwart the authority of another god, and this has resulted in a story, which might also result in artifacts that fall into the wrong hands, like those of the species. But uh, generally speaking, when we have these more dynamic relationships from multiple gods, it allows us to create interesting stories and setups. This is kind of an improvement over a single god, where that god is all-seeing, all-knowing, and is kind of a general, uh, just deity who doesn't have anything specific about them that draws one person or another. So let's talk about how to subscribe to this podcast. A podcast is a free downloadable audio show that enables you to learn while you're on the go. To subscribe to my podcast for free, you'll need an app to listen to the show from. For iPhone, iPad, and iPad listeners, grab your phone or device and go to the iTunes store and search for The Art of World Building. This will help you to download the free podcast app, which is produced by Apple, and then subscribe to the show from within that app. Every time I produce a new episode, you'll get it downloaded right onto your iDevice. For Android listeners, you can download the Stitcher Radio app, which is free, and search for The Art of World Building. This only needs to be done once, and at that point, you will never miss an episode. When it comes to inventing a god, we may want to start out with a list of traits such as truth, love, hate, curiosity, greed, fear, or other of the seven deadly sins, and just come up with gods who are based on a single trait or maybe related traits, and then figure out what this god is actually like and what their followers will be like. We can also use phenomenon like choosing a god of storms or war or even death. We can also choose a hybrid approach, such as deciding that the god of wrath is also the god of storms. Pantheons are often not organized in any particular way beyond family relationships. However, we can inject more into this if we choose. 
For example, we could decide that every god is associated with a season, or a color, or an element. Once we have assigned one of these to all of our gods, well then we might have a group of gods who are all in favor of spring, or fire, for example. Making a decision like this, it is often helpful to decide that a goddess of passion, for example, is also the goddess of heat. By extension, she would also probably be a goddess of summer, right? Once we create these associations, it adds more color and depth to what we've created. Colors can also result from this, such as a goddess of heat and summer and fire being associated with maybe yellow and red, which are colors we often associate with fire. There's another way that gods are often organized, and this is usually by good, evil, or even neutral. Personally, I tend to avoid those particular words, and I choose something like benevolent or nefarious, and the reason for this is mostly that I think that good versus evil is an interesting way of characterizing things, but it's also a little bit juvenile, you know, at the risk of offending some of you. Um, Most of us don't like boiling things down to good versus evil. People and life is a little bit more complicated than that. But, um, you know, this is still an interesting way of dividing up your deities. And what you don't want is to have a world that is mostly full of evil gods versus good gods, unless you're doing that on purpose for a specific reason. A subject that is included in Volume 1, Creating Life, but will not be discussed in this podcast, is the different power levels of gods and children's demigods and half-gods. If you'd like to learn more about these, please consider purchasing the book, Creating Life. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review the show at artofworldbuilding.com slash review. Reviews really are critical to encouraging more people to listen to a show they haven't heard of before, and it can also help the show rank better, allowing more people to discover it. Again, that URL is artofworldbuilding.com slash review. We should also decide where the gods live. Are they on the planet and they can be accessed easily, or are they up in the sky somewhere? Are they on another plane of existence and they can only be reached by special means? Our decision will affect how easy it is for mortals to reach them. There is a tradition, in fantasy in particular, where the mortals must prove that they are worthy in order to reach the gods. Therefore, it is not terribly easy to make it there. If I were a god and I had many worshippers, as I assume I would, then I wouldn't want every last guy on the planet trying to track me down all the time. I also wouldn't want them trying to get me to resolve some petty fight that they are having with somebody. So the cause for someone to seek me out should be a worthy one, and therefore it should probably be an arduous task to reach me. If the gods live on the world, I recommend avoiding something as obvious as a mountaintop, because most people will immediately associate that with Mount Olympus and the Greek gods, like Zeus. On the other hand, a god of the sea living underwater is kind of obvious, but that also raises the question of whether this god is trying to avoid anyone reaching him. After all, most people cannot swim underwater to incredible depths without modern technology, so is this god trying to avoid anyone contacting him? If we're doing science fiction and our species has learned to ascend to the heavens and beyond, then if this is the place where the gods are rumored to exist, then what happens when the species are able to get up there? Do they find that the gods do indeed live up there and, you know, surrounding the world, Or do they discover the gods are not where everyone thought that they were? Does this have an impact on them? Are people disillusioned and wonder, hey, wait a minute, I thought the gods were up here in the clouds and there's nothing here. 
Do they have a crisis of faith as a result of this? Do the gods even allow people to achieve technological advances so that they can discover such a fallacy is not true? These are some things that we might want to consider. The lifespan of the gods is another subject that will not be discussed in this podcast, but you can find out more by purchasing Creating Life and reading Chapter 2 on Creating Gods. We're also not going to discuss vulnerability and whether the gods can be hurt, killed, or upset in any other way. The mythology of our gods is another subject that is very important. This is discussed in detail in Chapter 2 of Creating Life. This includes creation myths and end-of-world myths. These are two of the most important stories for us to work out regarding our gods and how people feel about how time began, and even more importantly, how it will end. Everyone loves a good end-of-the-world story. This is something that characters can mention at any time in dialogue. It also offers a convenient way to talk about how people view their lives and what consequences they may face when they die and are judged by a god. To learn more, check out Chapter 2 of Creating Life. That's all for today's show. Please remember to rate and review the episode in iTunes. We're going to close out with a song of mine from the album Now Weaponized called Keeping Pace. You can hear more songs at randyellifson.com. Thanks for listening.